This is Debbie, and welcome to another brand new episode of The Offbeat Life, where I speak to inspiring individuals who ditch the norm to live their best life and become location independent. This week, I talked to Venus Wong, who is the Director of Content at Bin Kaba and Lifestyle Contributor at Refinery29. Venus knew from an early age that she wanted to be a journalist. Her firm determination led her to live and thrive in high-stressed and fast-paced places like New York City and Hong Kong. Today, she is living in London and travels the world as a lifestyle and travel writer. On this episode, Vina shares how to live and thrive in high-stress environments and how to save money while living in expensive cities. Venus featured the Offbeat Life podcast on Refinery29, and we met in London. She has been such an incredible supporter of this podcast, and I'm so fortunate to have her on this show. Get ready for incredible tips and enjoy the show. joining me here today. Can you fill in the gaps of your story and why you live an offbeat life? Hey, Debbie. Thank you so much for having me. So essentially, I see myself as having an offbeat life because I've lived in three world cities across three different continents, and I've moved to each one of them on my own accord. So they are New York, Hong Kong, and now I live in London. And I think me just being always excited about thriving in a big city and seeing the world outside of the current environment I inhabit makes me someone that lives an offbeat life. Living in those three cities must be so exciting, but also nerve wracking when you first started. What was it like the process of you moving from one city to the next? What was your motivation to do that? I grew up in Macau, which is a city in the southern part of China. And when I was growing up, I was always really interested in American pop culture. And I saw so many Disney TVs and the OC. And I just had this idea of what living in America would look like. And when I was 17, I actually asked my parents if they can send me to school in America. And a lot of Chinese kids actually don't make this decision for themselves. Um, Their parents usually, for them to get a leg up in the future when they look for a job, their parents will send them away to school in the US, the UK, or Australia when the children were about 12 or 13. But I feel like that was something that I wanted to do for myself. So that was the first decision that I made in shaping the future I wanted. And after graduating from high school, I wanted to work and learn in a city that has a really big media scene. Um, And I wanted to be a journalist, which was why I chose to study and move to New York City. And I moved to Hong Kong because I received a job offer there. And it was time for me to be a little bit closer to my family because Macau is only an hour away. But then after a year and a half, I decided to move to London because it was always something that I wanted to do after New York. And I really saw myself as some um, spending a few years in my 20s living in Europe. So I actually did that um, from deciding to move to London to quitting my job to moving out of my apartment 
getting everything packed, it only took about three weeks. You made so many incredible and tough decisions at a really young age. When you first want to realize a goal that you have or a dream, what are usually the first steps that you do in order to achieve them? So the last time I've had this whole process of realizing my goals and dreams was when I decided to move to London. And what I did was um, I took this whole day, which was a Saturday, to spend with myself. And I picked a really nice, cute cafe. And I just sat there with my laptop. I created a huge Google document of everything I wanted to do and every step I needed to take before I can get there. And I wrote down the names of the people that I need to seek help from in order to do that. And I think this is a pivotal step in that process, but I usually make a really outrageous title for the Google document and I bold it and I make it like 25 points. So it's like a really big title. And I add like a bunch of exclamation points to it. I'm going to pull up what the London document was like. So I, I have so many of these documents on my Google Drive. But basically, whenever I decide to take a trip or if I do something, I will make a Google document and I have I itemize every single thing that I needed to do and kind of every stage. Um, it's categorized by like every stage. So things to do before leaving Hong Kong things to do in London, people to reach out to. So this was called London Game Plan. And I had this kind of block letter words on the very top saying like, chin up, baby, you're moving to London and 10 exclamation points. So I think whenever I made these huge decisions for myself, um, where I experience a lot of kind of emotional internal battle, I always make it into this black and white piece of paper that I can always look at. That is such a great idea, Venus. Maybe you can also give us that letter so we can all see that. <laughs> it's a little bit crazy because there's a lot of cuss words in it. But <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'll make sure to send it to you. That makes it even better. It's kind of nice to do that as well, especially when we're having all of these nervous breakdowns and all of these fears and to just put it on paper in black and white. It doesn't seem so big anymore because then you have a game plan of how you can go to the next step exactly and I think I am one to often go down a rabbit hole of just having like 20 internet browser tabs open and really going crazy diving into a specific topic and whenever I decide to do something I make sure that I read every single article online there is that can help me really do that well so having this piece of paper for myself and narrowing down everything that I saw from each of these browser tabs, it's really helpful so that I don't feel like my brain is just an overflow of information. You have worked for really amazing publications. Can you run us through what an average day looks like for you? In the past, I've worked at Refinery29 and I worked at a society magazine in Hong Kong um, called Tatler. And now I actually am the content director of a startup called Bankuba, and it's an English and Chinese lifestyle and career content platform targeted for millennials, 
Chinese millennials in the U.S. and the U.K. or millennials from China that wanted to travel to the U.S. and the U.K. So there's a lot of um, cross-cultural thought process going on. And how I start my day is usually I wake up around 7.30 and I try to read an article out loud in Mandarin because I often have to edit stories in Chinese and there are times where I have to be on camera speaking Chinese. So it really helps me to just start the day reading an article out loud and really refine my Mandarin pronunciation. And then I usually read a lot of content on WeChat, which is the most popular social media platform in China. So I really catch up on Chinese news because the UK is a few hours behind China and there's a lot happening when I was asleep. So I usually get all caught up on world news. This usually takes 30 minutes and then I will walk to work, which is about a 30 minute walk away. Uh, I live in a really picturesque area in London called Islington. So it's a really nice walk. And I feel like during that time, I can usually digest what I just saw when I was in bed. And I have an idea of what kind of topic that I would like to cover when I'm at work. That is incredible. And you really try to get all of this information. You're definitely better than most of us because I don't know anything about what's happening in the world. <laughs> I'm like looking for information, which I think also contributes to how tardy I am all the time. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm always like, I swear I didn't oversleep. It was because I'm in bed having this phone to my face for 45 minutes because I'm just reading everything before I even leave the bed. I think I think it's a it's a gift and a curse. <laughs> well, in your case, because you are a journalist, it is definitely a gift. <laughs> Let's say that. Let's say that. <laughs> Let's say it's a gift. You have gone through so many things already and you're still so young. What has been the biggest setback you have encountered and how do you handle them? So I've always been really ambitious and Ever since I was in college, I've had this idea of myself that I'm going to work as an editor and live this very busy lifestyle in a cosmopolitan city, basically what you saw on The Devil Wears Prada, but less abuse. And so when my work visa in the U.S. didn't go through, it was a really big obstacle for me because... That's the only thing I wanted to do. I loved my job at Refinery29. I had a great group of friends. I loved my apartment. I loved my roommates. And it was really hard to not be able to continue the life I wanted to live because of paperwork. There was only a set number of um, work visas that the U.S. government will give out to international students. And once applications exceeded that quota, uh, what they do is they have this lottery. So I didn't win the lottery, even though my company had paid all this money to sponsor me. And it was really hard because it was decided by this random event. It's not something that I could work towards. I couldn't prove myself in any way. It was just, oh, you weren't picked. You you have to go home now. For a long time, that was really hard on me because I really associate leaving America and having to move back home as some sort of failure because what I imagined for myself was always like become a really successful individual 
in a top English media capital and not being able to leave, uh, live that dream, even though I was on a good track towards that goal was really hard for me. It's so difficult when you have no control over that because previously until today, you take actions and whatever you want to do, you make it happen. And for that to happen where it's a lottery and you have no control over it must be so defeating to to have that over your head. But look at you now. You have worked with so many incredible companies. <laughs> yeah, I always try to look on the bright side and that's what has been really going on with my personal growth is that I would never be able to see where I am now a year ago. That's a really incredible realization to have. And it really kind of is sort of a release in a way because yes, I love to control things, but I can't really control every single aspect in my life and things are going to pan out in a certain way, no matter what I think. So like I didn't, I didn't know that this content director job would be offered to me six months ago. And I would never have thought that I would be living in London 12 months ago. So in that way, I feel like I'm in that stage in my life where it's just filled with possibilities and I should give a good effort in everything I do, but just not take everything very hard on myself. Sometimes being open to different possibilities will get you to where you want to be, but just in a different way. I had wanted to move to London back in 2015, but I actually sort of chickened out and I accepted a job offer in Hong Kong and I moved to Hong Kong. And then I kind of thought that was it for me because I wasn't brave enough to move to London because I thought it was too expensive. But, you know, two years later, I was able to move because I had a really good job offer that allows me to work remotely and I was making enough money to be able to live in London. So you really just never know. And by the way, just to give you a little bit of a background on how Venus and I met, we met through Instagram. <laughs> and then I went to London to meet up with her. She featured me on Refinery29. And we all have mutual friends now in London. So it's incredible what happened because if you didn't move to London I don't know if I would have met you so life is so strange and so beautiful sometimes of how events in our life that lead us to certain people too so <laughs> so true I actually never I almost didn't make it to that dinner and I'm so glad I did can you share one productivity tip that has worked for you I am not the best at concentrating there are times of the day where I actually work the fastest. And what I've been doing is I look at the patterns in which I was checking YouTube during this hour and this hour, but I actually sat down and banged that article out between 12 and 4. And I use that information and that pattern that I've observed for myself to just try to eliminate roadblocks for my period of maximum productivity. So for example, I noticed that I actually do a lot of writing after 3pm and up till 7pm. So I make sure that I'm sitting in front of a computer, I have my tea, I don't have any kind of outside factors to distract me. And I don't schedule any interviews around that time, because I know that that's the time when I'm most likely to work the best, the fastest. 
Same with me, Venus. I always thought I was a morning person and I am a morning person, but I did realize that in the afternoon is actually when I work the best, which is really funny. Yeah, I think it's because you had two meals by then and your body has enough nutrients and your brain is like firing off. <laughs> and you've done everything you needed to do for the day so nothing distracts you anymore. Exactly. I save a lot of my admin tasks for the morning because I know that I'm not fully awake yet. I'm kind of just staring at the computer, moving my fingers and maybe, you know, that's the time I should get my invoices done or write a, a couple of emails. And then after lunch, when I'm kind of recovered, I can start banging out an article. How were you able to finance this chosen career at the start? And how do you continue to create income today? A lot of people that I worked with in the media industry, uh, they came from a really different background than me. So a lot of them... Um, come from more kind of well-off families. A lot of them are really well-connected in the publishing world. Um, and I never really had that. So from the start, I wanted to know that um, I'm spending the least amount of money possible to have the same amount of opportunities as everyone else. So what I did was I chose to study at the Fashion Institute of Technology, which I think it's the cheapest university in New York City. They are like a state university. So compared to NYU, you get a lot more for less, basically. And I was able to intern when I was in school. So that kind of eliminates the problem of, you know, if you take a summer internship, you're going to have to move to the city and pay rent and you're not making any money and then you have to pay for food. But I chose to intern during the school year so that while I am going to class, um, I'm also dedicating certain days to working and building up my work relationships. And that wouldn't have to cost me extra because I don't have to stay in New York during the summer, which can be very expensive. And when I graduated, I was very lucky to not have any student loans because my family actually supported me. And that's the only way that an international student can study in the US because there is no financial aid. So from that point on, I knew that the money that I'm making for myself is not going to be going towards repaying any loans. So I was very good at just saving and I dedicate about 30% of my income to savings. And I always make sure that my rent is proportionate to how much I'm making. So I've lived in really crappy apartments when I was working in New York, but it really worked out because it only took away less than 10% or 15% of my rent. Whereas I know a lot of my peers were living in these great apartments, but it immediately chips away half of their paycheck. But by living in kind of crappier apartments, I was able to have more kind of money for myself. You are so strategic, Venus, and you have done so well for yourself. You knew what you wanted to do when you were really young. What advice would you give to someone who is really struggling to find his or her way in the world? For me, I've always had really kind of specific interests growing up. And th those interests have changed as I got older, but they all kind of stemmed from the 
pop culture that I consume or what I do with my downtime. So I think it's really important to just start small and see what type of topics, uh, what type of activities really occupy your day the most. So kind of look at your browser history and see, you know, what kind of websites are you on the most? And then you'll be able to know what you're interested in and start developing freelance work related to that. Like if you're reading a lot about graphic design, you know, you can start taking online classes and you can do a lot even just with your free time. And because it's your passion, it wouldn't feel like, you know, you're taking on a second job. We all need to kind of figure out our way in the world. It doesn't matter if you're young or old. And sometimes you change courses in your life, but just experimenting with stuff too and really figuring that out is the best way to do that. Throughout this whole journey, you've talked to a lot of different people as a journalist and you've lived in a lot of different places. What has been the worst advice you have ever received? I think the worst advice I've ever received is to kind of keep your professional work relationships, purely professional only. It might be because I work in a creative industry where, you know, a lot of my personality has to shine through. But I do find that charming someone with your natural disposition and your personality and showing people what you're interested in outside of work has been so important. And I think more and more, you know, social media is going to be a very important aspect in your professional advancement because people are always going to be looking at what you're up to on social media. And I feel like I've gotten offers or successful kind of job changes or promotions because people were looking at my social media and saying like, oh, wow, she is really interested in food and she's traveling all the time. She must know a lot about travel. Let's give her this travel writing assignment. So personally, I think as long as you keep like a decent, you know, PC profile on social media, you shouldn't keep everything private. I'm sure that's not true for some industries, but for me, social media is a really big part of kind of making someone believe that I'm capable for a job. Let's fast forward to 50 years from now and you're looking back at your life. What legacy would you like to leave and what do you want to be remembered for? So 50 years from now, I would be in my 70s and I would love to look back and know that... um, I have written a book and I've written more kind of about the experience of just living as an Asian woman in the West, because that's something that, you know, being that I moved from China from a very young age, um, I'm very familiar with a lot of struggles that um, Asian women immigrants face. And I would love to be the voice of that and You know, there are stories that I really want to highlight. So hopefully by then I would have developed essay series, perhaps even a screenplay about the struggle. And that was something that the world was ready to embrace. And, you know, I was able to kind of make a noise. That is definitely a wonderful legacy to leave, Venus. So let's get to some fun questions. Some people like myself nerd out on interviewing inspiring people like you and hiking. What about you, Venus? (laughs) What do you nerd out on? This is really bad. So 
I don't read as many books as I should, but I spend a lot of time reading articles and features. So there are certain profile writers and editors that I just absolutely admire. I love Kathy Horn, who was the fashion critic at the New York Times. She now writes for The Cut, and she is master at writing like scathing fashion reviews. And it would just be amazing to meet someone like her. If Bill Cunningham is still with us today, it would be amazing just to see him in action. Um, he's a very kind of established street style photographer. There's a documentary about him and I would recommend everyone checking it out because you will cry and he's so adorable. Um, and other profile writers, I love Nancy Jo Sales. She is a very prolific writer for Vanity Fair. And basically anyone who has written for Vanity Fair is on my fangirl list. And I'm really excited about the new cover and the new editor, Radhika Jones. I've actually interned at Vanity Fair and just being able to see this operation from the inside out and just how much effort and time and money they spend on kind of topics that generally the world doesn't dedicate that much time to it's really inspiring you definitely did the devil wears prada internship then venus <laughs> i did i actually interned at vogue too uh it was really intense i'm sure and hopefully you didn't have any miranda on you right <laughs> Actually, I would say that compared to my direct bosses, my some of my fellow interns, they definitely really let it get into their heads and they were not as friendly as they should have been. Then again, those people that were quite mean, they are nowhere to be seen now. And I, I just think it's so important to just be friendly and warm to everyone. You know, that might not make me the coolest kid, but you know, I'm able to kind of establish a personal relationship with everyone. And I think that's so important in professional development. That seems like a life lesson everybody should know. If you were given a one minute ad slot during the Super Bowl that you can't sell with the potential to reach millions, what would you fill it with? I have a message, which is an epiphany that I've personally recently come to, but um, it's for all the women out there. All the young women out there. Basically, I've started my financial planning and my life planning um, in my later life with the intention that, you know, I could be spending the rest of my life alone, which sounds very pessimist. But if you think about it, you don't really know what's going to happen um, in the next 20 or 30 years. And it's better to kind of plan to, you know, I'm going to be buying this house on my own, or I'm going to be relying on my own savings for my retirement, than to just kind of sit around and wait and be like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm probably going to get a house someday. I'm going to, by that time, I'll be able to have someone's combined income to make the down payment. Or, you know, I might have a baby someday. I do want a baby, but I don't really know what's going to happen. You know, I might meet someone, but what I'm saying is I've started the approach of just planning things as if no one is going to have an impact on it. So that way, if I meet someone, 
or if I buy a house with somebody, that would just be an added benefit. But I, it's something that I would be able to do it alone too, so that you know, you're just kind of planning for the worst or the best. It depends on you know how you feel about dating in general. So Venus, what has been the most unusual job you've ever had, and what did you learn from it? My most unusual job was an unpaid one, actually. But when I was 20 years old, I answered this kind of open casting call slash internet competition that L China put up on their Weibo, which is a Chinese version of Twitter. And basically, they were looking for Fashion Week correspondents in the four major cities that、um, have Fashion Week. So that's New York, London, Milan, and Paris. And I kind of just put myself forward for the New York stop.、Um, I was very extra. I recorded this whole video of myself talking in both English and Chinese, and kind of saying that. I know a lot about the fashion industry here. I've done a lot of internships. Please, kind of hire me, even though you're not paying me. But I was very lucky to have been selected. And what I did that week was basically follow the editors and various Chinese celebrities around, and being their translator and sort of their Andy from. The Devil Wears Prada, because basically, at a moment's notice, if they ask me like, "Who is this person that's walking through this runway?" I would have to answer them. So it really required a lot of just quick wit and me being able to recognize people's faces. So it was a great learning experience, and I think it just got me a lot of early exposure to the industry.、Um, I was able to interview Tori Burch and. The then creative director Kate Spade, and you know, because the, the people at L China needed someone who can just converse in English. So that was just such a good experience, and you know, I saw a lot of celebrities from like K-pop stars to Sarah Jessica Parker. So you know, that's always cool when you're 20 years old. I wanted to talk to you about this because you recently posted an article on social media from the Guardian about internships and how so many are unpaid. What are your thoughts on that and that article that you had posted? It's a very unfortunate situation, and having come from that system,、um, I really think that something needs to change. It's you know th- that Guardian article was about. The author's experience interning in London, but from my experience in New York, it's the same thing. You're very lucky if you get even offered an internship、um, that pays minimum wage. So I think I mentioned that when I shared it on Facebook too. I had eight internships throughout college because I just wanted to make that a very important part of my education, and only one of them was paid, and they paid minimum wage. So I think that as a standard. They've been trying to do that in the states too. Like most internships should be called, you know, apprentices, and they should offer whatever minimum wage that is in that state. And I feel like it doesn't eliminate the problem that a lot of people who can afford to do these internships are of a higher social economic class. But at the very least, people from other states or kind of 
a lesser known college can sort of take this opportunity to stay in the city and have something to try to like support themselves with. I think the difference between getting zero dollars and I don't know what the minimum wage is in New York right now, but when I was paid, it was like seven eighty or something an hour. There's a huge difference. You know, at the very least, you can try to finance some of the expenses that you'll definitely accrue when you take these internships. And I just think it's really important just to consider what your locate, what the location of your college of choice would be. I decided to study in New York because I knew that I am going to do a lot of internships. So because I'm in New York, I can just do them during the semester versus, you know, a lot of people from outside states, they have to take on very competitive summer internships. And because everyone else who wasn't studying in New York, they try to intern during the summer and summer housing is really expensive. And you're basically moving for this internship versus I was already there and I'm just kind of taking two and three, two or three days out of my schedule each week to do this. Having traveled to so many different places, what has been the most profound meeting that has ever happened to you? I actually have been learning a lot about myself on my recent solo trips. Uh, last August, I went to Salzburg and Vienna alone for my birthday, actually. And I wrote a story about it for Refining29. But basically, it was kind of a way for me to reward myself. And that was about kind of two months into my move to London. And I wasn't feeling completely settled yet. But kind of having this trip made me realize that I can do something nice for myself. And I'm just such a huge Sound of Music fan. So that was such an important trip for me. And I was also recently in Copenhagen alone because um, I was in Sweden for another refinery story. But I was able to meet up with two other girls and we explored the city on our own in the snow for the whole day. And I met one of them just in a coffee shop the day prior. And so I'm, I met one of the girls just at a coffee shop the day before. And this other girl I met from a Facebook group for kind of travel loving women. So I just wanted to say that even if you're traveling alone, it doesn't mean that you'll be on your own the whole time. And it actually opens up so much more possibility for people approaching you because they're just more likely to come and say hi when you know, they see you doing something alone versus, you know, a gaggle of friends traveling. It's so much easier to make friends that way. It's kind of like going to a bar or club <laughs> and you're trying yeah. to talk to people, right? It's a lot less intimidating that way. What are you working on today that's really exciting to you? So I've just started my new job at a startup called Bankuba, B-N-K-U-8. Follow them on Instagram. And it's a bilingual startup that does career and lifestyle content in both English and Chinese. So I've been filming a lot of videos speaking Mandarin, and it's been a while that I used Chinese so predominantly in my work. And I feel really great about it. And every day, I just learn a little bit more about marketing to, you know, people in China. And my Mandarin is improving. So that's always really exciting. And I'm also just keeping 
um, my contributor relationship with Refinery29. So I actually have a few stories for them coming up soon that includes um, some exciting travel. So it's going to be very busy. I can't wait to see those articles, Venus, because it's going to be so much fun. So if our listeners want to know more about you, where can they find you? You can follow me on Instagram. It's Venus Wong, I-S-U-N. So V-E-N-U-S-W-O-N-G-I-S-U-N. I've been starting to do more in-depth captions for my travel photos. And I kind of really just want to open up this dialogue of, you know, certain things that I was feeling and special memories that happened to me when I was on those trips versus, uh, you know, more generic caption that's kind of like, so pretty, I don't want to leave. So that's something that I've been trying to invest more time in. So everyone should definitely follow along. And uh, please DM me if you have any travel questions. I'm always really excited about answering them whenever I get them in my inbox. So any questions, just slide into my DMs. Venus is very friendly, so definitely do that. And yes, I've been reading those Venus and they're amazing. So definitely make sure to check those out. Thank you, Venus, for joining me today. I really appreciate all of the knowledge that you gave us. Thank you so much, Debbie. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Venus. Make sure to visit theoffbeatlife.com. Again, that's the offbeatlife.com to get the extended interview with Venus where she shares how to get published in magazine publications. Love a good audiobook as much as I do? Of course you do. Well, you're in luck because I have teamed up with audible.com to give you a 30-day trial for free. Make sure to visit offbeatbook.com. Again, that's offbeatbook.com to get that incredible trial.